If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 621. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Why are you there? Give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History, when you do enroll and get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. You can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can support the show by clicking on the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, a great way to support the show is to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. That's how we grow the audience. That's how we expand it organically. And share it around on social media. Again, let people know you like it. Send me those show requests. And that is a great way to participate in the program. And I enjoy all of it. So this is not a listener-generated episode, but I do have one coming tomorrow. But today I want to talk about this issue with Marjorie Taylor Greene and her trial in court for being an insurrectionist. And supposedly being, or there's an attempt to get her disqualified from uh, running again for Congress based on the 14th Amendment's Insurrectionist Clause. So there's several things going on here. Number one, was the January 6th situation an insurrection? Uh, it, it's not. I mean, any, any way, shape, or form, it wasn't an insurrection against the government of the United States. Now, the Democrats are going to play it off that way because it works rhetorically, right? It works because it's politically viable for their base to energize their base and say, these people are insurrectionists, these people are bad, these people are trying to destroy the United States, Trump, Green, etc., etc. So the, the fact is, it was an insurrection on January 6th in, in any way, shape, or form. But because of the rhetorical effect of that particular charge, and, and we know it's not an insurrection, Here, here's another thing. If the Democrats really believed it was an insurrection, they would have removed all these members from Congress. They would have already done it, but they won't, and they can't, because they know it's not an insurrection. They know nothing happened there that was insurrectionary. All the, all the committee meetings and everything else, all the, all the things that are going on behind the scenes, they know nothing's ever going to come of it that would actually prove there was an insurrection. If they really believed that they would take in a vote, and they would have expelled these members of Congress for participating in an insurrection, but they know that wouldn't have happened. They know they wouldn't have had the votes to do it, and so, therefore, you won't have any situation where these members of Congress are called insurrectionists. And that's important. That's important that Congress would have to take a role in this process, not the states, because of the 14th Amendment. And I'll get to that in a minute. So we know there's no insurrection. We know that these people did not participate in insurrection. We know Trump was not part of an insurrection. And if you were challenging an election, if that's somehow an insurrection, then the Democrats have been guilty of this for several election cycles because they've challenged the legitimacy of an election many times over. In fact, 2016, they challenged the legitimacy of an election. They challenged it in 2000. They challenged it in 2004. The only time they don't challenge the legitimacy of an election is when they win. 
right? So the Democrats are just as guilty of saying an election is rigged or, an in, or you know, it's, it's fraudulent as the Republicans are in 2020. So that said, there's no insurrection. The issue with Green, though, of course, is that the, the left doesn't like her. She's pretty bombastic. She and Lauren Boebert are essentially the, uh, the Republican version of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, and they are, you know, both pretty empty between the ears, but um, they have quite a quite a large following, and and they have a large following because of social media. But this is this is a situation with with Cortez and of course Green and Bobert. And if there was ever debate between any one of these individuals, it would be must see TV for the stupidity coming out of both sides. So that said, um, again, you know, Green is a lightning rod for the left. And this is, uh, I think, something that's important to understand. Now, what about this idea of the insurrection? Let me go back to the 14th Amendment, or at least dis, uh, disallowing Green to serve because of the 14th Amendment. Let me go back to the 14th Amendment and read the insurrection clause. And I'm going to read a piece by Jonathan Turley, who is a, a very good legal scholar, who gets into this issue. But the 14th Amendment says this, and this is section uh, 3 of the 14th Amendment. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president or and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. Now, that is the insurrection clause. What's interesting about that is Section 5, because it tells you who has to enforce this. Section 5. The Congress shall have power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. So the state legislatures don't enforce this. State election boards don't enforce this. State judges don't enforce this. State, I mean, it, there, there's nothing that state executives don't enforce this. Nobody enforces this except, except the Congress of the United States. So that is the key to understanding this particular part of the amendment. So when you look at what's going on with Marjorie Taylor Greene, she is being challenged not by Congress, but by a state election board, right? So the entity that has to enforce the 14th Amendment is the Congress of the United States. That's important to understand. It's important to get that, right? And it says in Section 3, Congress can remove this disability by a two-thirds vote, which they have done, with the exception of two Congresses. <laughs> so they've covered everything, right? And from that point forward, only two Congresses were, uh, were subjected to this requirement. Everything else is fair game. So let's get into this John, Jonathan Turley piece, and he brings this up. So he says, Below is my column in the Hill on the recent decision of a federal judge to allow a challenge to Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from appearing on the ballot as an insurrectionist. In my view, the underlying claim is meritless, and I think, I mean, it's, it, it is. I agree with him. The theory supported by figures like Harvard professor Lawrence Tribe, who is a notorious moron, runs against the clear language and history of the Disqualification Clause of the 14th Amendment. And when I say he's a moron, he is an opportunist with the Constitution. 
uh, tribe has never seen anything he doesn't like that's going to expand the power of the general government to favor the left. That's what he always wants to do. He doesn't really care about the Constitution. He cares about political power. And if, if that's not what the Constitution is there for. So then uh, Turley says, here is the column. Quote, as the country braces for the midterm elections, the left seems to be rallying around the three Ds, democracy, disinformation, and disqualification. The latter effort just received a huge boost from a judge in Georgia who was allowed a challenge to knock Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene off the ballot as an insurrectionist. Nothing says democracy like preventing others from voting. Many of us have criticized Greene for, for her inflammatory rhetoric and her extreme views. No less dangerous, though, is the means being used by some of Greene's critics to get rid of her. It is all part of a new movement to defend democracy by denying it. To paraphrase the Vietnam strategy, democracy can only be saved by destroying it through the denial of speech or the right to vote. Now, this is important. The progressives hide behind this idea of democracy, but they don't really believe it. They don't believe in democracy unless they're winning. Democracy doesn't work unless they control the process. And uh, this, this rhetorical claim of democracy is very powerful because, of course, the United States is a democracy. We have to defend democracy, et cetera, et cetera. But what they always consistently try to do is thwart democracy because they, they don't want anyone but their own people in power. You see, what the Democrats really, their, their, their mantra really should be power, P, just power. They want power, and when they don't have it, they're going to use every effort under, under the sun to get power. Charlie continues, many Democratic politicians and pundits have long pushed for censorship as vital to freedom. However, such freedom as tyranny claims seems Orwellian. They are nothing compared to the push to disqualify dozens of candidates from appearing on ballots. Judge Amy Totenberg ruled that critics could potentially strip Green from the ballot due to her public comments before and after the January 2021, January 6, 2021 riots in Congress. Totenberg ruled that Green's critics could bring a challenge under the Constitution's 14th Amendment, known as the Disqualification Clause. This is the same clause cited by some liberal members of Congress and legal experts as a way to bar dozens of Republicans, including former President Trump, from, from office for allegedly engaging in insurrection against the United States or giving aid and comfort to its enemies. So this is, I mean, this is exactly what they're doing, right? They're saying, okay, we've got the 14th Amendment. Let's block all these people from participating in a 2024 election or even the 2022 elections. Now, if Congress does this, if they claim that these people are insurrectionists, they have to pass, they have to put it into effect through legislation, citing the 14th Amendment. There would be a challenge to this uh, without question. Uh, somebody would challenge it in federal court. And eventually this is going to work its way to federal court anyways. And we're going to see... A, another decision by the Supreme Court on the 14th Amendment. What can states do with the 14th Amendment? What can election boards do with the 14th Amendment? But if Congress actually got involved in this process and passed legislation saying that these people are insurrectionists and therefore they are barred from uh, being elected because of the 14th Amendment, Congress could do that, right? They could. Now, this would be a tactic to, and I think Americans would see it as a naked power grab, which is why they won't do it. They Look, for all things Democrats are, they are politically savvy at times when it comes to things like this. They're only going to go so far. Rhetoric is having the desired effect here. They're calling Marjorie Taylor Greene an insurrectionist. They're calling Donald Trump an insurrectionist. And if they're based, that's all that matters. And to those in the middle, 
this might resonate. Well, I mean, I don't know. These people might be insurrections. I don't know if I like them. I, I don't know if I like that. And so all they got to do is go to the floor of Congress and they can say anything they want there. And they can even do it outside of that. This is an insurrection. This is, and put up the, the political theater, the big you know, chain link fence with barbed wire and all that stuff. All they have to do is that. And of course, that's going to give the, the perception that they're protecting the United States Capitol from another insurrection. We saw it. We just saw it. They put the, they put the barbed wire back up recently. They've got the riot shields in the hallway of the Capitol building. I mean, it's just so stupid. But this is exactly what the, the Democrats want to portray, that they're under assault, that democracy is under assault. And of course, um, the evidence is really not on their side, but evidence doesn't matter in theater. Evidence doesn't matter when it's a dog and pony show. Evidence doesn't matter when you have this type of uh, uh, illusion being portrayed by the left. So Turley says that this argument most recently was used against Representative Madison Cawthorn, who also has been opposed by House colleagues on both sides of the aisle. Cawthorn prevailed in a federal court, which dismissed that effort. An appeal of that ruling will be heard May 3rd by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit in Richmond, Virginia. There are similar efforts to block members like Arizona GOP Representatives Paul Gosar and Amy, Andy Biggs from appearing on state ballots. Tuttenberg gave a green light to these constitutional claims, despite both the constitutional text and history showing that the claims are meritless. That's an important statement. And Turley, of course, is going to get into why they're meritless, and it's based on the case law, right? So, <laughs> there are several ways to look at the U.S. Constitution, and I get into this in my American Constitutions course at McLeanahan Academy. There is the common law or case law position of the Constitution, where federal judges or state judges, just courts, decide what the Constitution means, and then you have all of this case law to, to sift through, and that's where you get to your decision. And of course, there is the originalist position, which is, what do the people say the Constitution meant when they're, when they're ratifying it? That's another position. But the Constitution is designed, it's designed to limit the powers of the general government as confined by the text of the document. Now, this gets into what that text actually means, and so then you get the textualist and everything else, but written constitutions are different from the unwritten model in Britain in that the unwritten model in Britain relies on case law, relies on the common law heritage, right? The case law to determine what the constitution is of Great Britain. We actually have a written document, so there's, we're operating with two different types of constitutions here in the United States. There's a written constitution, then there's the unwritten constitution of case law. So in this particular situation, you can go back to the case law where they've talked about the written constitution. And even if you use that, right, I just gave you the 14th Amendment, which says Congress has to do this. So it, it should knock down all of this stuff from the beginning. But even if you use the case law, it's completely against what's happening here with, uh, with Marjorie Taylor Greene Green or anyone else who's being accused of insurrection against the United States with the attempt to remove them from the ballot. So, Turley continues, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment was written after the 39th Congress convened in December 1865, following the end of the Civil War. At the time, many, many members were not pleased to see former Confederates like Alexander Stevens, the Confederacy's vice president, appear in Congress to retake the very oath they previously violated by waging war against the country. 
Whether January 6th was a riot or an actual insurrection remains a matter of deep and largely partisan disagreement. But the disqualification clause is written in reference to a real civil war in which more than 750,000 people died in combat. The Confederacy was a separate government with its own army, currency, and foreign policy. When Turley says that, uh, of course, people are going to say, you're a neo-Confederate. But Turley is simply stating a fact. The Confederacy was a separate government. It had its own constitution, had its own army, had its own currency, had its own foreign policy, had its own navy, had its own government. I mean, it had all of these things, right? So there's nothing incorrect about this. Even if you say it wasn't a de jure separate government, it was a de facto separate government. So he's, he didn't say that one is de jure legal or not. But the fact is, it operated that way for four years. So Turley is stating a fact. The men who supported the Confederacy, whether it was in the government or the military or at the state level, were all supposedly, if you believe Lincoln, if you believe Lincoln, were engaged in an insurrection against the United States. Now, were they really insurrectionists? I mean, you have to look at the language, though. An insurrection. Were these people insurrectionists or were they separatists? You could even make a case that none of them were insurrectionists. They left the United States. They were no longer part of the United States, so they weren't an insurrectionist. But you could wiggle out of that by seeing by the aid and comfort to its enemies. So were they enemies of the United States? Well, clearly, there was a shooting match between the South and the North, and so that resulted in a lot of people dead. So you could say they were enemies of the United States. Were they insurrectionists? Eh. I mean, again, it depends on if you believe secession legally, secession legally happened or not. If it did legally happen, they weren't insurrectionists. They were a separate country, and then therefore they were combatants, uh, enemy combatants. Now, um, were they then citizens of the United States? I mean, these are all these, uh, so much of that war, the legal parts of that war, the wrangling the Republicans have to do to get around some things. It's just hilarious in the post-war period. So then Turley says there is another problem. To the extent that a person can be disqualified under the 14th Amendment, it requires action from Congress, not a local board of election. Right. The fifth section of the 14th Amendment clearly states that Congress has to pass a legislation to do this. Despite an otherwise long, careful opinion, Totenberg blithely set aside such details, including an 1869 decision by then-Chief Justice Salmon P. Chase. The case in question challenged the right of Hugh W. W. Sheffy to hold a Virginia state court office, given a support for the Confederacy. Chase ruled that Section 3 did not disqualify Sheffy because, quote, legislation by Congress is necessary to give effect to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Disqualification from office can only be provided for by Congress. Clearly, that's what Section 5 of the 14th Amendment says. So here is Salmon P. Chase saying, you know, I mean, this guy... Yeah, you, you can't do this because Congress hasn't said this guy's disqualified from office. Congress later passed the Amnesty Act of 1872, which overrode the disqualification clause, except for senators and representatives of the 36th and 37th Congresses. So everyone else was free to serve in any capacity they wanted, unless you were a member of Congress in the 36th and 37th Congresses and you participated in the Confederacy in some way. If you weren't in that, then guess what? You're free to serve in whatever office you want to serve in. So Congress actually has to get involved in this. Not some state election board. This is why this is a stupid situation that we're seeing in 
Georgia at this current moment. And the federal courts are, are compounding the problem, as they almost always do. Turley says the Supreme Court has repeatedly ruled that states cannot impose their own qualifications for Congress because it would, quote, erode the structure envisioned by the framers. Under such an approach, partisan state election boards could simply conclude that a member is an insurrectionist and prevent voters from being able to make such choices for themselves. Totenberg simply insists that barring an insurrectionist is the same as barring someone from running for president who is not a natural-born citizen or does not meet the age requirement for Congress. However, age and citizenship are easily ascertainable qualifications stated in the Constitution for all candidates. There is no additional finding for action required for such disqualifications. Totenberg is suggesting that a local board declaring a representative to be an insurrectionist is the same as confirming the age or place of birth of a candidate. I mean, Turley is right. I mean, he's showing the, the stupidity of this entire process. You actually have to prove somebody is an insurrectionist in an open court of law. But when you say that that person's not 35 years old, well, then show me your show me your birth certificate. Show me your driver's license. Show me something that shows your age or your birth certificate. And birth certificates are the thing. Where, where are you born? Uh, where do you reside? And how old are you? I mean, these things are easily determined by a simple document or a few simple documents, legal documents. Insurrectionists, now you're saying this person has to be accused and proved to be an insurrectionist in a court of law to remove them from the ballot. As people have pointed out, if this is successful in Georgia, democracy is going to die in the United States because you will have partisan hacks get involved at every level of government and say that person's an insurrectionist, we don't like this person, you can go back and look at their social media accounts or whatever they've said publicly, if they said anything that would be de uh, detrimental to the government of the United States, this is the issue now. If you say anything critical of the government of the United States, you could be claimed to be an insurrectionist. Right? This is the problem with this line of thinking. So anyone that says anything negative about the government of the United States could be an insurrectionist. Well, that's, I mean, look, the, the Republicans in the post-war period were a bunch of reptiles, but they wouldn't go that far. Uh, but this is exactly what the, the left would want to do with this. And so this is what makes this very dangerous, ultimately, for effective government in the United States. As with the calls to censor disinformation, the growing calls for disqualification represent a serious threat to our democracy. Countries like Iran routinely strike candidates from ballots due to their underlying views or perceived disloyalty. Just as free speech allows good ideas to counteract bad ideas, Free elections allow good candidates to prevail over bad candidates. The problem is that you have to be willing to live with the judgment of your fellow citizens rather than control what they read or who they may vote for. In fairness to the court, Totenberg complained that the, quote, parties devoted little time and few pages to the complicated questions inspired by this novel situation. As such, he did not feel comfortable in granting an injunction to Green. However, that expression of reluctance at the end of the opinion belies the sweeping language used to get there. So Turley is correct about this, right? So the, the, the Green defense team didn't really focus on this issue. They were doing a very bad job. But Totenberg should have said, okay, wait a second here. Um, there's a whole lot working here that you didn't even bring up, and I can't allow this to, be, to see the light of day in court. This is a stupid argument. This is a partisan hit job, and we cannot allow it in court. That's what her job is, and she didn't do it. With the other pending cases, the issue may now be headed for a Supreme Court showdown. In the meantime, the Democrats will likely see in November whether the three Ds resonate well, as well with voters as they did with this judge. 
And so that's the question. It's a rhetorical attack on their political opponents. And the left knows what they're doing. They don't care if it goes to court or not. They really don't care if this thing in Congress actually works out. Again, they could stop all this simply by saying, let's have a vote right now. We're going to just bar these people. We're going to boot them out of Congress, and they cannot be on the ballot. But they don't want to do that. They want to let it linger out there. They want to put the, they want to hit it, right? Spray it out there, and then let people, let it just kind of percolate in the air for a while and see what happens with it. If they think it gets enough political traction, they'll act on it. But if they don't, they won't do it. Because if they actually took a stand and said, these people are not allowed to be on the ballot, they know exactly what would happen. They know that there would be a, a resonate. I mean, these people would be resoundly defeated in 2022 and 2024 because it would be a naked power grab at that point. Just by letting it linger out there in the air for a while, it's not necessarily a naked power grab at that point. It's just, oh, well, this is what we think. And then we're going to let everything kind of sort it out at the state and local level, and we're going to let it go to the courts and everything else. We're just going to let it do it. The Congress is, the, the Democrats know what they're doing here. And in some ways, I think it could be a more effective strategy than not. But we'll see, as Turley says, we'll see in the midterm elections. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. See you then. 